Welcome to Faith Is. I'm so glad you've joined us today. I'm Pastor Rick Stevens, and this is Faith Is, where we challenge each other to have absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God, because that's what faith is. And today, I'm really glad to be joining you. It's been quite a week here in Southwest Florida, and I want to fill you in a little bit about what's been going on with us and how we're doing. But I also, I was really thinking about this in, in the... Uh, wake of Hurricane Ian and thinking, whose crazy idea was it to name this program Faith Is? Because here we have a hurricane and how does faith and a hurricane fit together? Well, we're going to talk about some of those kind of things today. And I want to give you an update on how we're doing. I think it's helpful perhaps to put this in context of what I want to talk to, to us about. And, and of course, the main point is not what I have to say, but what Jesus has to say. And it really does help us in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. So I am a pastor of a church in Cape Coral, Florida. So that's Southwest Florida. You've heard a lot about Southwest Florida on the news because of Ian. And Southwest Florida roughly stretches from Sarasota down south past Naples. And a lot of us were affected by this hurricane, but we're here. And I'm glad to be here. And, and just so you'll know, in case we have any real interesting hiccups along the way here, I'm bringing this program to you from my home studio. Now, doesn't that sound pretentious? Well, relax. It's not really too much because here I sit in my house, which is the best place because I can't do this recording from church because there are chainsaws going off in the background there. And I didn't think you'd want to hear that. So I'm here in my home studio, which simply means I brought my gear to the house. We have no electricity and no water. The windows are open. You may hear some sounds from outside. I was a little concerned about that, uh, but it's the quietest place I could, could really think of to, to bring this program to you. And, and if you hear something like a siren going by or a utility truck, I hope you'll bear with us. A little while ago, I was a little concerned because the trash pickup truck came by and I thought, oh boy, usually they pick up the trash and then a little while later, they pick up the recycling and so we have two visits on a typical day but things are looking up because we actually had the trash picked up early in the morning and i happened to be looking out thinking about all of this and i noticed that not only did the same truck pick up our trash which is a good thing but the same truck picked up the recycling and i thought yeah that makes a lot of sense because here we are in the midst of a huge crisis there are going to be massive volumes of trash and everything else horticultural debris, construction debris from buildings that were damaged. And so I thought it made a lot of sense. They're just collecting all this stuff and they'll figure out a way to deal with it. So we may not be interrupted by those noises, but um, we're going to try it. And I, I felt an obligation to bring you a program. I'm really sorry I couldn't last week, but we were just really, uh, really recovering. We're still recovering, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, here we are. I'm glad you're here, and I appreciate you listening. I hope this has some benefit to you, because that's why we do it. I am the pastor of Diplomat Wesleyan Church in Cape Coral. Uh, we're just a regular bunch of people trying to do the best we can, trying to be faithful in our allegiance to Jesus, just like you are. And uh, here we are now, faced with a, with a challenge. And what does faith have to do with that challenge? So let me give you a little a little um, introduction on that, how should I say, about the, the coming of the storm, how we got through the storm. And I want to do all of that because then I want to talk to you about 
what we talked about on Sunday at church. And yes, we did have church on Sunday in spite of the storm. So let's go back to more than a week ago when we were anticipating this storm. We started watching it, and we do that in Florida regularly, watching it as it formed way south of us. And the early indications were it might come our way, but we have learned over time, some of us who have lived here a while, that the early indications are just that, early. And we know that it's out there, but it's not time to worry about it too much. Well, storm kept coming, and the more it came, the more I realized that it couldn't affect us more than I thought initially. Uh, the track would change back and forth a little bit. But in through all of that, I never really thought that we were going to have a problem with this storm. Uh, I, that's just silly, I know, and there's no real basis for me thinking that. But I just really wasn't concerned about the storm. Um, we made some preparations, but even, even when we went to bed on Tuesday night before the storm really blew in on Wednesday, I really didn't think we would have that big of an impact from it. I expected the storm to stay offshore. Well, it didn't, but uh, so Wednesday morning we got up and I really hadn't heard a lot of stormy weather overnight and didn't wake me up or anything like that. And I still, Wednesday morning, was not expecting huge impacts. We watched the weather and uh, we stayed home because everybody was staying home at that point. But I still wasn't expecting to have a real big problem from it. The one thing I didn't notice when we got up and, and looked around was when I looked out front, the street in front of my house was flooded. Well, now, that might be alarming to some people, but Southwest Florida has a lot of low ground, and we have a lot of rain in the summer, and so to have localized flooding like that isn't terribly unusual. It does hinder you from getting around, because I've seen the streets really flooded in a lot of places, but it's not the kind of flooding that's dangerous to to property or we wouldn't expect it to get in our house or anything like that but I was surprised I hadn't realized it rained that much overnight to have flooded the street but the street was flooded and it was flooded about as high as I've seen it well it only gets so high because of the way the runoff works so so I wasn't really concerned about that it was just kind of hmm wow I didn't know we had that much rain overnight well sure enough the news was tracking the storm and and we were watching it and yeah it wasn't too long into that morning we realized that that Ian was going to come a little closer than what I expected and really closer than a lot of people expected and um, sure enough it came came our way even most of the morning I thought it would stay offshore but but it didn't about one o'clock that afternoon we lost power um, remarkably enough I was surprised we didn't lose power sooner because that frequently happens with these storms and so here we were in the midst of a hurricane, a bigger hurricane than I'd ever experienced before. And most of us in Southwest Florida had never experienced a storm like this. Um, no power, no news. We didn't really know what was going on. All we could do is watch what was going on outside and listen to the howling of the wind. Uh, that's not very entertaining, by the way, but we couldn't do anything else. All we could do was, was stay inside stay alert to what's going on, watch what's happening, and wait for the storm to pass. Well, there was a lot of wind. That's the, that's the enduring remembrance of living through a hurricane, was you get really tired of the sound of the wind, the noisiness, the, um, the 
unfamiliar creaking that you sometimes hear. You wonder if something's breaking because of that. I came to discover that at one point, what I'd been hearing and thought was something worse happened to be the rattling of a sliding door. So those are the kind of things that, that really, uh, they, just get, they just wear on you. They get, they get tiresome. You just don't like hearing the wind blow because you wonder what's going on. But in all of this, and all through everything that I'm going to tell you about, the most remarkable thing is that I never was afraid. And I don't really know how to explain that, except by the grace of God, I wasn't afraid. And I'm thankful for that. I really didn't want to be afraid. So we pursued on, and, uh, or persevered on, I should say. And, and I would go outside occasionally to see what was going on, to watch the storm. You, I couldn't really go outside in the sense that I didn't take a walk around the, the house or down the street. But I could go outside the front door. It's a little bit sheltered by the design of the entryway. And I could stand out there, and, and I'd feel a little bit of misty rain sometimes and get a little bit damp, not really wet. But I could still watch what was going on. And I remember going out and just watching the trees blow and the wind blow. And then at one point when I'd gone out, I'd go out for a little while and come back in. I went out, I, I noticed that um, the neighbor's house across the street and down a little bit had lost a lot of shingles. And I thought, oh boy. And, and I, the more I watched, the more shingles blew away. And uh, I remember watching across from us uh, a couple streets over. I could see a house where the shingles were kind of flapping up and down in the wind. And I thought, oh boy, that's going to lose a lot of shingles. They didn't lose as many as I thought when I first saw it, but they lost some shingles. In fact, when it comes to, to loss and property damage, it's, it's real interesting. I think almost every property in our area, which is a pretty big area, I think almost every property would have had some kind of damage from this storm, from minor to, to more consequential. That's really remarkable because when you think about driving down the street and you look at every house and you think that property, either from trees being blown down, branches breaking, uh, shingle problems, other kinds of things like that, almost every house has some kind of problem. In fact, I've heard of only one. One of the families at church said they couldn't identify any, any problems, any damage at their house. That, that's really remarkable. And they told the story of how they had seen some debris bounce around their house between theirs and their neighbors and really remarkable by the kindness of God. And they said it's as though God covered their house. There was no damage and it could have been serious what was going on outside their house, but it wasn't. Well, I was watching here at the house and I was out front watching the storm. And uh, at one point it was really kind of amusing. You, you, you notice the kind of amusing things in these situations, not because you're looking for amusing. It's just because you notice these things. But I noticed that across the street and, and down a little bit, the same house where the shingles were disappearing, I watched a squirrel come around the corner of that house and down the driveway to the flooded spot where the squirrel couldn't go any farther. The squirrel was just kind of looking around. Now the wind is blowing, the storm is raging, and this squirrel's just out looking around to see what's going on. I thought, isn't that remarkable? In the middle of a storm. Another time I walked out and I looked up and a across the street. There's a vacant lot right across from our house, but at the back of that lot, I saw a rabbit hopping along and then into the neighbor's yard. I thought, well, isn't that remarkable? There's a rabbit out in the midst of all this storm. It's just kind of interesting, the, the odd things you notice like that. And then one other time when I was out front, 
you get the idea I went in and out a lot. I probably did a fair amount. I went in and out and I was outstanding in, in front in the same place, kind of in the sheltered spot outside the front door. And uh, not six feet away from me, a rabbit hopped by and uh, went into the, into the bushes right next to us in the landscaping. I thought, isn't that remarkable? Here there's a storm going on and these animals are just out doing what they do as though nothing unusual was happening. Well, the storm continued, and then I don't know exactly when it was. I probably should have noticed at the time, but when you got all this stuff going on, you just, you just got to get through the next few minutes is what you think about. But it got calm. After all this wind and all this stuff, and I'd seen all this um, shingle flying and all this um, battered, really battered tree damage and I think I at one point saw some things blowing through the yards that had the wind had picked up from down the street but the, it's all, all of a sudden it got kind of calm and uh, I thought well does that mean the storm has passed I I was watching the time and it could have but I, I really didn't know because we felt like we, we just were kind of blind to what was happening because we had no news and information the storm had knocked that stuff out but I noticed it was calm and and I walked outside again, and I thought, well, this will give me a chance while it's not really blowing hard. I'll, I'll walk around just a little bit and see if I can tell what's been going on, what kind of damage we're in for. And so I did. I walked out a little bit, and uh, I noticed some other neighbors were out. They were looking around. It's kind of interesting to think that we were all out there. I walked around the corner of the house and immediately saw a tree in the backyard, a big branch down. Uh, thankfully, I checked later that didn't damage any of our water equipment. I was a little concerned we'd have a serious problem there, but we didn't. I walked on around the house because I was really concerned about the shingles on the back side. I looked at the front and didn't see anything. And yeah, there were a few shingles gone at that point. And then I didn't really know what was going on. I just knew, well, for some reason, we didn't have the terrible wind at this point. And later I found out that that was the eye of the storm. Not only had we been impacted by the storm, but the eye actually went over our house. And this calm time when I could look up and almost see the sun shining through was the eye of the storm. I've never been in the eye of a storm like that before. That was a little bit surprising when I found out later that's what was going on. I didn't know at the time that's what it was, but that's what it was. So I checked things out, kind of enjoyed being outside. And still at this point, what I saw and what I sensed from being outside is it wasn't as bad as I expected. It wasn't as bad as the noise that I'd heard made me think it was going to be. Well, after the eye passed, what turned out to be the eye, I didn't know it at the time. After that passed, the wind picked up and blew as harder, harder than it had before. I'm not quite sure um, whether it was harder or not. I heard that the strongest wind measured in Cape Coral, our city, was 140 miles per hour. So we had some very strong wind. Wind picked up that afternoon, and, and I just got the sense that, that I was tired of this wind. And I just wanted it to stop. I'd heard from uh, my son, who lives a few miles from us. He had been able to get some information in spite of the power outages, and we could not connect to the Internet with our phones or anything. He'd gotten some information that it would probably last another four or five hours before the st storm moved away and uh, continued its northeasterly track. So I figured by the time I heard that, 
we had some hours to go. I may as well just relax and not worry about it, which I really didn't worry. I just wanted it to be done. And sure enough, about 10, I guess, or 11 that night, the storm began to settle down and we began to realize that the storm was passing and, and we'd, be, we'd be okay. Well, we got up the next morning. That was Thursday after the storm passed and everything was calm. And to my surprise, when I looked out front, the street was no longer flooded. I did not expect it to drain away that quickly. Usually it does overnight when we have a late afternoon storm and it floods, but I wasn't expecting it this time, but it did. I thought that's a good thing. And I went outside and looked around a little bit like I had been doing. My big concern at that point, since I had seen the house and knew what was going on, was could, could I make it down to see how the church had fared? Because I knew a bigger building like that and the shape that it was in, in terms of the roof, we knew some of the things that were going on. I just was a little concerned about how it might be. So I went to check, and sure enough, when I pulled up, I was uh, uh, both surprised and uh, and how should I say, surprised by the problems, but surprised by what wasn't a problem. We have a large sign out front, and the sign had not blown over. Looked like it bent a little bit. We'll have to see about that, but it was still standing. I thought, well, that's a little surprising. I didn't expect that. But what I saw in the parking lot was uh, equally surprising because we had one small tree, uh, well, not real small, but medium-sized tree, I should say, had been blown over, uprooted, and blown across the parking lot. Now, that was a little bit of a surprise. Another tree had been uprooted, not blown out of its spot, but had been completely uprooted. A lot of large limbs down. Just the whole place was littered with debris from the storm, from shingles, from soffit, from branches, from trees. It was, it was a big mess. And when I looked at the roof, I was pretty sure that we had some serious stuff to deal with because shingles were gone, many shingles. I, I don't know if it was most. I didn't look that closely at the time, but I knew it was really bad. And so I was inter- interested to get inside and see what was going on. So I went inside and looked around as best I could. It's dark in there. Couldn't see a lot, but I checked in places I thought were likely to be of concern. And to my delight, we had no water damage, no water damage inside the building. In spite of all of the rain and all of the wind and all of the likelihood, in fact, when Charlie came through, Hurricane Charlie some years ago came through, a much smaller storm than this one, we had some significant water damage and lost some things inside. But we didn't have any, any water damage inside. I was really pleased. Now, no electricity, and uh, that's, a, that's a problem. No electricity at the church, no electricity for us. And that's a problem for people in this area because most of us in this area live on well and septic. So without electricity, we don't have water. And so that's a, that becomes a serious concern. Uh, I knew we'd do some yard cleanup, so I went home and well, we picked up a few things to get started. But I had no real sense of the scope of the storm. I was just kind of amazed. When I was out, I saw some power lines down. I saw a couple of power poles bent to the ground or broken off. And I didn't go very far because at this point, I I didn't really want to go very far and be in the way of anything that needed to happen in terms of first response. And there was no real reason for me to go very far. I live about three miles from the church, so I just went up and came back. I was a little surprised by how many people were out. Maybe they were surprised that I was out. I don't know. But um, when I saw that that damage, it, it 
realize, you know, made me realize we do have some, some damage to deal with, but I was really kind of struck by how it wasn't worse than what it seemed because the wind was so bad and it went on for so long. So I came back and we did a little cleanup in the yard and everything takes longer. You don't get much done. You, no matter what you do, you don't get a lot done because everything takes longer. Well, some people from the kindness of their heart and their generosity from our church denomination from the Florida District of the Wesleyan Church sent some relief supplies down and some help. The guy drove down with his pickup truck, two guys did, and they dropped off a few things at the church. I met them there, and one of them was a generator. We don't have a generator at our house. We've never really had a storm so bad that we would have really needed one we could get by. We didn't really expect this would be that bad, and and uh, you know you lose some refrigerated things, some frozen things in these kind of storms, but we didn't have any sense of that being a problem. But the generator was a was an enormous help. I, I can't begin to tell you how much. Not only were we able to have refrigeration and and to get our freezer going again after a couple of days, but it gave us a little electricity inside. You could use the microwave. We uh, could use a lamp. Those kinds of things. All of the things that you take for granted suddenly you didn't have available. And that was a that was an enormous benefit. Enorm- I can't I can't say enough of, of appreciation for that benefit. That was just that was just huge. Well, we still hadn't gotten a lot of news from outside. And uh, at one point, I, I don't remember which day it was. I think it was Friday. It could have been Thursday. We've got the first indication of how bad the storm had been. Now, this is this is just uh, this is the oddest thing. And, and I don't uh, I'm not making this stuff up. But it's the oddest thing. We couldn't hear locally what was going on. We, the, our, our normal communications that we used just didn't work. And so we were just getting along. Well, we had been a little bit in touch with some family up north because they were concerned about how we were doing. Phone calls sometimes came through but didn't connect enough to have a conversation. Sometimes I could hear the person calling. They couldn't hear me. Sometimes they could hear me and I couldn't hear them. So communication was just terrible, very limited, very limited. But we did get a text through now and then, not always. Even today, texting is is difficult. I can't be sure a text will go out at all. But we did get a text back from my wife's brother's wife, and she sent some information, including a couple of pictures, that showed us the first idea of how bad the storm was. We saw a picture of the road that leads, an aerial photograph of the road that leads to the bridge that goes across to Sanibel Island. And being familiar with that area and seeing that that was a big clue that we'd had a real serious storm. I think in that same communication, we got the first indication that the causeway to Sanibel Island had been broken and the island was essentially cut off. That was our first indication of how bad things had gotten. We still didn't at that point know anything about Fort Myers Beach. We didn't know anything about Pine Island, which is closer to us and offshore of Cape Coral. But that was the first idea that, that things were, were bad. And, and serious. Well, we were taking it one day at a time. That's all you can really do. You uh, can't do a lot of things that you might ordinarily think to do because of limited transportation. Power lines were down. Finally, they were directing traffic and controlling the traffic flow better. But it still made it difficult to get from point A to point B because you couldn't always turn where you were expecting to. 
you didn't know the back way to some places, you had had a hard time getting there from here. But we managed. We take it one day at a time. And it was on Saturday I began to first, and I couldn't get information out, but I got the first questions back, and I was able to respond to a few. Would we have church on Sunday? And, of course, I said, yes, we will have church on Sunday. There's no question about it. And I don't think too many people were surprised about that. I did tell people on Sunday morning when we were meeting, I said, just in case you ever wonder if we're going to have church, if I can physically get here, we will have church. And nobody was surprised by that because that's been our church's commitment all the way through the pandemic and all the way back. We, we never stopped meeting. Now, I always left it up to people to use their wisdom and their judgment. And I would trust that if they felt like they couldn't get out, then they needed to do what was best for them and, and to take care of themselves. And that was fine. But I said, we will have church. And uh, everybody smiled about that. And we did have church. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute. But kind of leading up to that, I, I, I know some things that I don't know. Okay, is it fair to say that? Do you ever know some things that you're sure happened, but you can't prove happened? Well, let me tell you what I mean. And, and by the way, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody who says this. Maybe you've said it, okay? Uh, so maybe we all need to fasten our spiritual seatbelts a little bit because I want to talk straight about some things, straight from my experience because of the hurricane, but also from my observations over time. But I know some things happened that I don't know happened. I kind of picked up a little bit on this before the communications got so bad and then we couldn't really find out what was going on. But I picked up a little bit on this, that every time there's a bad event that's forecast like a storm coming, I will hear people talk about how they pray against the storm. I'm praying against that storm, or they will rebuke the storm. Uh, one person said to me, I did hear this, and I, none of us would have disagreed. They just were praying that the storm would go out to sea and dissipate. Well, I don't think any of us who have experience with hurricanes expected that. But I do do want to talk about this idea of, of rebuking a storm. Now, to be sure, Jesus did that. But I've noticed this over time, that people have a tendency to say that if, if they just pray in a certain way or say uh, the right things or, or the, real, the real kicker, and this is what we're going to talk about today when we get to, to the Bible, if we have enough faith, you know, I've heard it said to people, not necessarily about storms, but I've heard it said to people, brother, you just got to have faith. Well, that's true, but what, that, what does that really mean? You got to have faith. I've heard people say, well, you just don't have enough faith. Well, okay, um, maybe I don't have enough faith, but how do I know when I have enough? What's enough? What's the measure of enough? You know, it's real easy, and, and we pastor types can do that a lot. We can, we can speak eloquently about the need for faith, and we can tell people, you got to have more faith, and we can say, well, where is your faith, and all these kinds of things. And I've thought a lot about that over the years, and I have not been able to come up with an answer to how we can measure if we have enough faith. And if we can't measure that, how can we say to people they need to have more faith or they don't have enough faith or whatever else goes along with that. You, you get the, I hope you get the idea here. And again, let me say it again so there's no confusion. I'm not throwing stones at the people who will disagree with what I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. 
because I want us to talk about some, some very, very significant things because they, they do matter. And I don't want us to get lost in the weeds of things. I want us to make sure we, we're honest with each other and, and think carefully through what the Bible says about this kind of stuff and faith. And I want to talk about what we talked about at church last Sunday in the aftermath of the storm. And I want to talk about what, what faith is really about. And we've talked about faith a lot on this program. Faith is, as I frequently say, absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God. I've frequently admonished us to stretch each other in God's direction and to help us increase that confidence in God. I admit I don't know how to measure that. I don't know that I've ever said that there is a way to measure that. But I know that I can tell if I have confidence in God. Part of that is... Am I afraid about certain situations or do I trust him to come through on certain things? And, and yet, is that even this idea of him coming through on certain things? Is that really my realm of thinking? Is that really an indicator of faith? Or have we missed something important along the way here? And yes, I guess you can tell from what I've said, I think we have missed some important things. And yes, I think we need to listen to what Jesus says. And he said some very important things to us that will help us understand this concept of faith, having enough faith, understanding what, uh, how should I say, uh, enough faith really is. Uh, how, sh- how, how can we go forward with this and have the confidence we need in God? I, um, I'm not sure that we have the right perspective on this, and I think we need correction from Jesus. So you hang on. We're going to take a little bit of a break. With that kind of being said, we're going to come back and look at the words of Jesus that talk to us about what faith is and how we really can demonstrate absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God. We meaning you, me, all of us. So how about if we do that together in just a minute? You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. 
often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Welcome back, everybody. This is Pastor Rick Stevens. I'm the pastor at Diplomat Wesleyan Church in Cape Coral, Florida, the place we had an unwelcome visitor named Ian recently. We've been talking about this, and you're listening to Faith Is, where we challenge each other to have faith, absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God. And I, I hope you're able to benefit from this. My voice glitches. Uh, beside, I've been outside and using my voice and being in the elements a little differently than usual. So I hope it's not too unlistenable with, with the occasional glitch. But we've been talking about faith and we've been talking about the storm. And I've said all that I did in the first part of the program to get us here, to get us to challenge ourselves and to think carefully about this idea of faith. Because many people think if you have enough faith, you can pray a storm away. If you have enough faith, you can just rebuke that storm and away it goes. And I know people in this area would have been praying like that, although I don't know that. I do know that because that's the history of such things. But Ian kept coming. And so you've got to start asking yourself, what is faith? And, and we talked about that on Sunday morning when we met. We didn't have any power. We didn't have any lights on in the building. We didn't have any air conditioning, but we had the presence of God. And we were able to, to share together about what God would say to us in times like this. And I challenged the people. I said, you know, we often think about these ideas that, that we just need to have more faith. And, and we often hear people that, that pray against things as though they have faith to do that. And, and I don't discourage people from asking God to deliver them from difficult things. I think that's entirely appropriate. But I think sometimes God lets these things happen just like this storm in spite of people's prayers or rallying their faith or whatever they thought about the storm still came so how do we deal with that because we have to deal with the storms that come we have to understand what's going on so if we understand better some of the things we experience and if we let the bible help us understand them specifically if we let the words of jesus help us understand them we'll be better off and i've heard a lot of people admonish people about faith but i said to the people on Sunday, and I want us to think about it here today. Would you rather hear me tell you about faith, or would you rather hear Jesus tell us about what faith is really all about? Well, I think the answer to that is obvious, and so let's get to the book of Luke, chapter 17. And if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to read this, and if you don't have a Bible, you can find one. They're available everywhere. Find one that you can read and understand, and that you will read and understand. If you don't read the Bible, if you don't ever look at it, it's no different than if you don't even have one. So let's take advantage of what we have. And Luke 17 starts out with some teaching from Jesus. And Jesus is telling his disciples that they, um, that they need to forgive. 
and he specifically mentions that they need to forgive their neighbor. And he says in verse, what is it here, four, if he, your neighbor, sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, isn't that remarkable? Jesus says if your, if your neighbor sins against you by some way and he comes back and, and repents and he does it again and comes back and repents again, you still need to forgive him. Well, the idea of repentance has changed and apparently the guy says, I've changed and I'm not going to do it again and we forgive him and then he goes and does it again and then Jesus says, you got to keep forgiving him every time he comes back. And, and I don't know what your response to that is. Uh, think about that. Because you've probably had people that have, well, sometimes I call them the sorry rascals of life. You've probably had people that have been sorry rascals in your life or, or you've probably had people that have done worse to you. They've, they've done terrible things and you've suffered because of it. That, that just happens. I'm not defending that. I'm just saying that's life. We've all had that. We've had betrayals. We've had people lie against about us. We've had people not keep their promises and we've suffered the consequences of that and we've had to bear the injury of that. And Jesus says, in spite of all of that, you need to forgive him. Now the disciples responded to Jesus in verse 5 where it says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, I don't know how your English translation says that. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible, which I frequently do. But I'm I hear the disciples saying this. Now, I can't prove this because I can't tell their tone of voice. But when you read the story and you understand what Jesus is asking them to do, forgive this rascal over and over, then I can almost see the disciples throwing up their hands and saying to Jesus, if this is what we have to do, increase our faith. Because they didn't quite see how that would work. So Jesus, in response to their to their exclamation of increase our faith, tells them a little story. In verse six, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Well, now that's the first little story. And, and a mulberry tree is a tough tree, okay? So it's a, very well-rooted tree that is not easily uprooted. Now, I mentioned earlier the storm uprooted a tree at our church and blew it across the parking lot. Yes, it did. And I have seen a couple of palm trees, not many, that were bent over and broken, but I have yet to see one that's uprooted. So if you know anything about palm trees, you get the idea from that comparison. Like Jesus is saying of a mulberry tree, you just can't uproot them easily. I've had to help dig up a couple of palm trees. Man, they have intense roots. They really do. So it's not an easy job to dig them up to get them out of the ground. And Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Well, that isn't too bad because that's a big job getting the mulberry tree out. But then even from that, throwing it into the sea, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is a really tiny seed. You're probably aware of that. Maybe a more common seed to most of us is a poppy seed. It's very tiny. People sometimes get annoyed when I use an illustration of a seed other than a mustard seed. But the point is not the specific seed. They would have known what a mustard seed in the same way many of us know what a poppy seed is. It's the idea that they're very, very tiny. We found that out 
Not that we didn't know it already when we, one of our children who was quite athletic managed to way exceed that child's capability and get up on a kitchen cabinet when that child was about two years old and got up on the kitchen counter and reached up into the cabinet above and managed to pull down a box of poppy seeds. And those poppy seeds went everywhere. So we know what tiny seeds are about. And Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, a very tiny seed, then you can do this remarkable thing that nobody would ever really want to do. And as far as we know, nobody has ever done. But he says, even if you have that little bit of faith, you could do this amazing thing with a mulberry tree. And he said that in response. That was his first response to the the disciples saying, increase our faith. See, they say some of the same things we do. How do we have more faith? How do we have an increase in our faith? And so Jesus is answering that question. And that's a good question for us, particularly for us who have gone through this storm, to say, okay, what does this mean now? Because we have faith, but the storm still came. What does this mean for us going forward? Well, Jesus wasn't finished there. He goes, uh, goes ahead. But before we leave that, make sure you make this connection. As we read through the next of the um, story that Jesus tells, Jesus is not talking about we need to have increased greater faith. He starts talking about something different. Jesus doesn't say you can measure it this way. He goes on to tell us what faith looks like from his perspective. See if you notice that when I read this next part of the story. Starting in Luke 17, verse 7. Which one of you having a servant tending sheep or plowing will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat, get ready, and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did what was commanded? In the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are worthless servants. We've only done our duty. So it's a pretty straightforward story. I don't have servants. Likely you don't have servants. But they would have understood because they were around, same as we're around, that when you have servants in your employ, they're expected to do what you ask them to do. And so Jesus says, you have a servant that's supposed to go out and work in the fields. They go out and work. And then when they come in, it's their responsibility, not for the, the master of the house, not for the employer to serve them a meal, but to say to them, okay, now you've finished that work. Now fix my meal. And after you've fixed that and gotten all done with me, then you can have time to have your own meal. Now that's not harsh. That's just the way employment things work. I don't think at all Jesus was meaning to be harsh there. He was making a different point. Now, servants in those days would often work some some in the house and some out in the fields. So this particular servant apparently followed that pattern. And in most of the year in those days, they would work out in the field until about mid-afternoon, we might say three o'clock to us, and then they would come in. So we shouldn't understand that the, the servant coming in from the field was coming in at five or six, and then Jesus was saying, fix the meal, you know, the master of the, of the house would expect him to fix the meal and then eat later. It was, it was the end of a work day was about three o'clock for the fields. Now it could be longer in harvest or planting season, but he would come in and he would then finish up his work day by preparing the master's meal. 
And then after that was finished, then he would have his own meal. So it wasn't meant to be harsh or anything like that. It was just the way things worked. And so Jesus was describing the way things work in those days and expecting them to understand that, and they would have, and now we do. Then he goes on to say, does, does the um, master of the house thank the servant because he did what was commanded? Uh, and the obvious answer to that rhetorical question is no, he wouldn't have thanked him. He might have been polite, but it wasn't the point that he had to thank him profusely for doing something extraordinary. It was just this is what was done and what was expected. So Jesus sums it up by saying, in the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are worthless servants. We've only done our duty. Now, if we don't think carefully about this, we might say, well, Jesus is changing the subject here, isn't he? Because the disciples were talking about faith and he talked about a mustard seed and a mulberry tree and that tree being planted in the sea. And that could be done with a small mustard seed sized faith. And then he tells this other story. Why does he change the subject? Well, I don't think he changed the subject. And I think if we look carefully at this and, and think it through carefully, we'll understand he did not change the subject. You see, Jesus was not trying to help them understand that they needed to have greater faith, an increased faith, a larger size faith. He was telling them something different about faith, something that is measurable, something about faith that they could get their hands on and that they could respond to. He's telling us something about faith that we can understand, that we can get our arms around, that we can respond to as well. It's not some mysterious or nebulous or abstract idea as Jesus understands it. It's very concrete. It's very doable. So if you want to have faith, if you want to demonstrate absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God, Jesus is telling us how in this little simple story. We get awfully hung up sometimes on the mustard seed and the size of that and say, well, if you have enough faith, you'll be able to do this thing that nobody's ever wanted to do, uproot this mulberry tree and plant it in the sea. You'll be able to do that if you have just that size faith. And we sometimes then say, well, I can't do that, so I must have even less faith or a smaller size faith than the mustard seed. That's not the point. Don't go there. Jesus is reinforcing how we can demonstrate faith and how we must demonstrate faith. In other words, Jesus is making faith as concrete and down to earth as anything we've ever tried to understand. And I think this story is so helpful on that because what is Jesus saying at the end? He said, when, when you do what the master says, come in from the field, prepare the master of the house's food, his supper, and then you have yours, you do all your chores, all your responsibilities. You don't expect to be commended for that. You don't expect great accolades for that. Like, oh, look at how much faith you have. I just so admire your faith. Jesus isn't saying that at all. What he then says is, what we should say, if we're that servant, and obviously he's framing this so that we are the servants, he is the master. He's saying, our response should be, we are worthless servants. We've only done our duty. And you see, there's the key, I think. We've only done our duty. Do you want to demonstrate faith? Do you want to encourage yourself and build your faith up? We have only done our duty. 
You see, that's Jesus' measure of faith. Have we done our duty? You see, his, the duty he was talking about here was forgiveness. Yes, forgive your brother repeatedly if he keeps coming back and, and repenting. He says, you, you forgive him. And the disciples' response was, yikes, how can we do that? We need more faith. And Jesus says, even if a small amount of faith, like the size of a mustard seed, can move a mulberry tree into the sea, then that's sufficient faith. And he's also saying, that's not really the measure of faith. Because anybody would say, well, I have mustard seed size faith. I believe in Jesus. So Jesus is kind of meeting us where we start, but then he's saying, or, or not just where we start, but where we are, where we live. But then he's going ahead to say, now, here's how you live faith out in the world around you. You just do your duty. And the duty here he was talking about was you forgive your neighbor. That's living out our faith. Now, some of us have neighbors to forgive. So uh, if I'm talking about you and your neighbor, please take that to heart. But there's other aspects of duty as well. You see, we have other duties that we're responsible for to God. So I'm pretty sure that all of us have been challenged by God at one time or another to do something we weren't really sure we wanted to do. And I, and I mean it that way, that we wanted to do. Uh, for me, I was, uh, it's really kind of funny, it shows you what teenagers think. I was terrified when I was a teenager, uh, and terrified is not too small of a word, that God was, was going to call me to be a missionary. And I didn't want to go to Africa because all I knew about Africa was that it was very hot there and had a lot of snakes. And I didn't like hot weather, and I didn't like snakes. Well, a few years ago, God placed me in southwest Florida, which has lots of hot weather. We use more air conditioning days than any place else in the country. And we have more snakes than some places in Africa. Well, doesn't God have a sense of humor? I, I, I realized later as I understood better myself and God's expectations that there's no way under God's blue sky that he would have ever wanted me to go to Africa. I would have been the world's worst missionary. Okay, but I need to do my duty and, and respond to what God calls me to do. And sometimes we're terrified by that. Sometimes we need to clarify what it is really that God is talking to us about. God does not always call us to things that we don't want to do. Now, sometimes we don't want to go through things. I didn't want to go through a hurricane, not even close. But I've tried my best over my life to follow as best I understood where God was leading and to use the gifts and the graces he's given me, however imperfectly, to serve in the way that I believed he was calling me to do. I don't claim to be great at that. I just am trying to be faithful to that. In other words, I'm trying to do my duty. And that's what we all need to do. So if God is calling you to a duty of some kind and you're resisting it, then that's how you demonstrate faith by saying, okay, God, I have confidence you're calling me to do this and I'm going to do it. Now, for some people, it's very concrete things like maybe God is calling you to serve in your church somehow, or maybe God is calling you to start going to church regularly and you haven't. It's just our duty to show up to church. Think about that. That's, that's entry level duty before Jesus. It's just to do the simple things he calls us to do. Show up to church. Well, but the church, I, I, it doesn't matter the excuse. Every church I've been around has difficulties, okay? And no church is perfect. The best we can hope to do is not make it worse when we go there, okay? Can we be honest about that? The best we can do is hope that we don't make it worse. 
But that's our duty because the Bible talks about how we need to, to put God first. And we have to honor the, the Lord and we have to honor the Lord's day, the Sabbath, Sunday. It's just duty. And one of the things I admire about my military friends or the people who have been in the military, they're not in the military now, but they talked about the, the importance of they had a duty to do and they followed orders and that that's what they did. They didn't always like them. They didn't always appreciate the commanding officers. Uh, any military person probably knows what that's about much better than I do. But they did their duty. They fulfilled their responsibilities. Well, men, that's the idea. The idea isn't, does it suit me? Does it suit you? The idea is, will we do our duty? See, God has called us to do our duty the same way the servant in the story Jesus told to do our duty. So what duty do you have that you need to start giving to God? Maybe it is finding a church that, that honors the Bible and, and attending. Maybe it's something else. There's a lot of concrete things we could go through. And I have confidence in God that, that if there's something concrete in your life that you need to start doing, he'll tell you. And all you have to do is do your duty. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? I think it is kind of simple. I don't think it's really complicated. I don't think God wants it to be complicated. I think he just wants us to do our duty. And understanding is just easy. Do your duty. Doing it, that gets a little harder. But we can do that, can't we? Of course we can. Well, that's kind of the context that we talked about on Sunday after the storm, that we shouldn't get all distracted or downhearted because we didn't pray the storm away. That wasn't the point. The point Jesus makes is we keep doing our duty. And we didn't come to this scripture by happenstance. We've been following the revised common lectionary in our worship for a number of years at our church. And and I'd planned on preaching from this from early in the week. I'd gotten a head start on preparing on Monday and Tuesday, so I was real glad about that. And I had no real expectation, like I said earlier, that Ian would be what Ian was. But this is what God had for us, and, and people were kind of surprised by, isn't that remarkable, the timing that God has in a situation like this? And our response is just to do our duty, to, to love God with all we've got and to love our neighbors. And so we've been trying to do our duty. Well, we've had some wonderful help now. I'll bring you back a little catch up to where we are today. We're not through the hiccups. It's going to be a long, long time recovering in Southwest Florida, a very long time. I'm hopeful to have electricity by this weekend. Uh, don't know that for sure, but we've been promised that. We'll find out. We were very blessed, I have to tell you, by a work team that arrived yesterday at noon. As I record this, it's Friday. They arrived yesterday at noon. They had driven all night from North Carolina. They arrived, well, I guess it was closer to, to 1 o'clock. They got out of their vehicle and, and went right to work cleaning up our property. They, they were a gift from God. So we're making some progress on that. They did an enormous amount of work in what amounted to about a half day's labor. Yesterday morning, a bunch of our people gathered at 9 o'clock, we went down to another site where some supplies had been brought into southwest Florida. We had a little caravan. We picked up as much as we could get on our trailers and vehicles, hauled it back to our church and put the word out that we had supplies and people began to come by. And in a very short time, we passed out all the water and other drinks, Gatorade type drinks, all the tarps that we had, all the cleaning supplies, uh, everything that, that we had been able to, to bring with us to our church. There isn't much help being given to people in our area of the city, and we were glad to do that today. 
we've made connections because they stopped by yesterday and asked us if we could help with a group that prepares hot meals. We're going to pass out at least 100 hot meals this afternoon to get started and see how we can help our area that way. And so we're very grateful, very grateful for these guys from North Carolina. They didn't know us, but they made a connection through uh, another pastor that I know that's part of the Florida District of the Wesleyan Church, and they came down. And they've helped us enormously. Enormously, I can't say enough about their help. I don't know where we would be without it. They put tarps on the roof of the church, so we don't have to worry about water damage now. They've cleaned up brush across the property. I'm not sure what else they can get done today. I had to beg off so I could come and talk to you, and they understood that. But that's just been remarkable. And people are, are pouring things in. Yes, we have a, a long road to go. Yes, we have in excess of $35,000 damage at our church. But you know what we're seeing is that God is providing. And if we do our duty, then isn't that what God expects? Isn't that what Jesus expects? And can't we trust him? Can't we have absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God? And don't we demonstrate that by doing our duty, doing the things that God has called us to do, and equipped us to do and invited us to do. And you know how much impact it would make across our country if every person that calls themselves a Christian would start doing their duty before God, how much difference that would make and how much evidence there would be of faith and faithful people that would gen genuinely turn the country back to God. So if God has a duty for you and if he's speaking to you today, please do your duty. It's all that Jesus asked. It's all that any of us ask. You can't do everything. I can't do everything. I can only do what I can do. And, and in hurricane cleanup, I'm pretty much worthless because I don't know how to do stuff. But I can help you understand the Bible. And I can help us have faith. Because Jesus says faith is about doing our duty. And we can do that, can't we? So go out and do your duty and have faith. And by the grace of God, I'll be back next week, hopefully better. And we'll talk again. And... In the meantime, I'm Pastor Rick Stevens, and this is Faith Is, where we have absolute confidence in the trustworthiness of God.